Hello and welcome to episode 1255 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, January 9th, excuse me, February 9th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this afternoon by Justin, Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on, man? January 9th, what the heck? I'm cycling us all the way back to the beginning of the year here. No, it's February 9th. You're either really far behind or you are jumping way far ahead. Like. Way ahead. Yeah, exactly. No, no. February 9th, we are nearing pitchers and catchers. How you doing? We talked yesterday about how you doing. Uh, I, I'm having kind of an aggravating morning, so I'm going to take it out on you during this podcast. That's fair. We're gonna as I yell at you for debates. Short, uh, discussions. But yeah, I, I got a little minor car accident that was not my fault. I was parked and dude hit my car and his insurance company was like, well, he's saying you and then you blatantly did it. lied. <laughs> like, yep. yeah. I'm like, I was parked. <laughs> like, how did I do anything? <laughs> do you think you'll be put on the Phantom IL by Dave? I, it's quite honest. I mean, like, you know, like, uh, we've definitely seen guys go on the IL for weird reasons. Um, so, uh, I definitely could be. He could get in trouble then because apparently now they're actually punishing somebody for it. Billy Epler placed on the ineligible list today through the 2024 World Series. It's Mets GM, for those that don't know, um, for breaking the rules of improper use of the injured list placements, including deliberate fabrication of injuries and the associated submission of documentation for the purposes of securing multiple improper injury uh, list placements during the 2022 and 2023 seasons. So. We've known about this for a while. We even have a name for it in the fantasy world, the Phantom IL, right? You said the exact same thing that I said immediately because I, I learned about this on my stream. And I said, wow, it wasn't the Dodgers getting burned from yeah. it, which is literally what you said, uh, because we kind of know that they're a little known for it. And, you know, they must have enough of the burden of proof that, you know, this guy's with a pitcher. It is kind of easy, though, because they always have something barking, I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess my question for you, there's nothing too fantasy relevant here. We'll get into shortstops in a moment, but... You think somebody ratted them out like a, a, a pistol oh, ex met? Sure. Like a former uh, player or somebody within the org? Like, what do you, where do you think that? I'm sure we'll learn more, but what do you think? Because I, I wonder if it was a player. I mean, I feel like it has to be a player, right? And my guess is like, you know, obviously it could be a former player because, like, when the all Houston Astros thing came out of right, it was Mike Fires. Exactly what I was thinking. Um, on a different team being like, well, yeah, th we did this. And there was like, wait, you did what? Like, you know, <laughs> um, uh, but I we do also wonder, this. like, we just had arbitration meetings and stuff. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it came up in arbitration, <gasps> if they were all like, well, you only played 130 games. And he was, yeah, it's because they put me on the IL for a week and a half when I wasn't even injured. That's what do you mean good... you weren't even? And like somebody followed up and was like, what do you mean you weren't injured? And like. So, I mean, that's obviously, an interesting angle. I could definitely yeah. see it because because you got to go in there and shit on your own guy in ARB. That's why ARB sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you basically go in there and tell him to his face why he sucks and he's not mm -hmm. worth this extra $300,000. And the thing of it is, too, listen, $300,000 would change my life immeasurably. So I'm not saying it's peanuts, but we're always talking relative, right? And in yeah. the relative terms of an organization, it's peanuts. It really is. Well, what, and I think so for the them, Jose Suarez's arbitration case was over like $95,000. So to go in there and just crap on your guy for that kind of money, it's just insane to me. It's insane. Did, did you see the Josh Hader interview? No. What did he say? Jo Josh Hader, I can't remember if it was on Barstool or John Boy or something like that. Um, they are asking him about the uh like why he wouldn't go into games he goes because i went through the arbitration process 
And I did all these extra innings for the Brewers. And they're like, yeah, that doesn't matter. So because like, they weren't saves. Because they weren't saves. And so he goes, that's unbelievable. Why am, I, why am I doing that then? And so he goes, that's when I made the decision. I'm only going to pitch when I'm going to get a save. And um, then he gets crapped on for that. Like, oh, he's not mm-hmm. a team player. And, and and yet now hearing that context, I support that. Yeah, absolutely. Because, did too. I wouldn't either. And that's why we always talk about you bring this up all the time when we talk about some young flamethrower. We just talked about it yesterday with the White Sox that they might not go for the best guy to close like a Garrett Crochet or like a Prelander Baroa because the saves will drive up the price. And the thing of it is, to avoid this is they need to rework the stupid system because that's yeah. the problem. It's, it's a, such a dumbass system. It's so antiquated. It should be on something like shutdowns and meltdowns or leverage, you know, something to show that the guy that can come in in the sixth, seventh inning and be the fireman has a ton of value. But no, you can just push, pitch them there, run their arm into the ground and not pay them a nickel. But heaven forbid they get 12 saves in a year. All of a sudden, they're, mm-hmm. they're gonna, price is going to go That's way with up. with the reliever prices this offseason. You, you think you'd be able to go like, look, yeah, you may say you don't value anything but saves, but, you know, teams Wandy are spending Peralta. $10 million a year. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk about the Wandy Peralta move, but it's a four-year move for a really good lefty. I think I just don't think he's going to be the closer. That's the only reason I didn't ever no. put it on one of our rundowns. I think it's going to be Robert Suarez. But to your point, it's like you can't on one hand give him a four-year deal, a nice deal that he deserves, <clears throat> but then also tell me that middle relievers aren't worth anything. The two things just don't make up. I know. It was really, really yeah, – I almost looked that up. Um, it's an opt-out after every single season. He has. Yeah, yeah. So he could just be like, this ship yeah. is sinking. I'm out of here. <laughs> it's like an NBA contract. Like, right? Hey, I, can, I can opt out whenever I want. <laughs> Those suckers aren't worth the paper they're printed on. Uh, same with football contracts. Too. Oh, he's going to make $82 billion. Actually, it's $48 guaranteed. Yeah. Um, happy trails to Corey Kluber announcing his retirement. Ooh, Amazing pitcher. That. You know, He's I'm your always, boy. I was going to say, I'm always going to have a ton of love for him. Doug Thorburn and I, uh, we, you know, was one of our biggest hits in the SP guide ever. We had plenty of other guys, but like that was one of our big name hits. And we weren't the first or the only Carson Sestouli gets a lot of love for, for being early to the Corey Kluber train. So I'm not acting like we were the two to discover him. But in the fantasy world, we got a lot of love for really pushing him up our list early and being on him as he was breaking out. So I've always had big love for Corey Kluber. So uh, hats off to him for an excellent, excellent career. But uh, yeah, no other news in, in the one day. I mean, you know, Ryan Brazier not really moving the needle. Sorry sorry to him there. Um, and then the only th- other thing was Kershaw resigning and the Epler news. So let's Corey talk. Corey Kluber, I just want a quick yes. anecdote. Absolutely. Corey Kluber is the only reason I'm doing this podcast. Do Do explain. You were big on Corey Kluber. You had the breakout. And then Matthew Barry mentioned you and Jason oh, wow. on, the, on the fantasy focus. That's amazing. Which is how I uh, became aware of you and Jason. That's amazing. Uh, which then, you know, dominoes fall years later. And all of a sudden, I'm doing a podcast with you. That's incredible. I, I have, oh, I owe a lot to Matthew Barry. He used to retweet it out. Uh, for years, my SP guide and then mine and Doug's. It was first, you know, first I did it by myself and then me and Doug Thorburn did it um, and was always just so supportive. All the stories you hear about him being a great dude, at least to my experience, are very yeah. true. I, I I love him. He was the man. And I got the best compliment ever when he had to stop doing it. He said, you're competition now. I can't do it. And I was like, that's, 
I, I'm bummed because, you know, I love the, the exposure I would get from the retweet and the cosign, but what a cool, what a cool thing to hear. I, like, wow, you, you've made your little thing into something big. I've only had limited interactions with him, uh, mainly because Danielle is in his book. Um, so uh, I enjoyed that book quite a bit, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, in in the limited interactions I've had with him, uh, he's been a genuinely uh, really really good dude. So yeah, I've got I got nothing bad to say about him. Um, all right, let's talk some shortstops here. We're finishing up. We'll get through the rest here. We've got uh, we've got some some names here still in this last tier before we get into kind of the long shots, deep deep league sort of stuff. But the late veteran MIs. Basically, if you're playing in a league, and obviously it doesn't really matter where you put a shortstop versus an MI, but generally I think we we say our MI is going to be the worst player, right? You're, you're gonna you're gonna have someone there that that you draft a little bit later, so they're generally going to be the more uh, uh, the the cheaper guys here. So it starts with Carlos Correa at 259, JP Crawford 275 ADP, Orlando Arcia 329, Ahmed Rosario still unsigned 338. Tim Anderson, 350. Chris Taylor, who we discussed at third base at 386. And then Javier Baez is down to pick 400, Justin. Some interesting names here. You know, Crawford's actually coming off of his best year ever, while Correa and Anderson are coming off some big struggles. Arcia had a great year, all-star bid and everything. Ahmed Rosario, like I said, is unsigned. Baez was dreadful. So it's an intriguing group. There's going to be some good hits here. Figuring out who that is is going to be the tough part. Um, let's start with Correa because he is the, still the biggest name. Is he somebody you're buying into at this price point? Is this cheap enough that you can take on the gamble because his upside is still there? Like when he played last year, which was not a ton, it was actually more than I remembered. I, I didn't realize it was 580 plate appearances. I kind of had his season a little bit reversed. I thought he was sub 500 plate appearances, but good when he played. He actually had a decent, uh, you know, volume but not very good when he played Carlos Correa, 7-11 OPS, but he's still just 29, so on the right side of 30. Is he somebody that you take the, the gamble on right now, hoping that he can get back to, quote-unquote, Carlos Correa the, you know, in bold letters? I mean, probably not. Like, yeah, at this it's, point, it's there's, there's too much injury risk for too little upside. Um, like, even if, like, even if, like, let's say he, like, goes back to being you know in bold carlos correa we're still talking about mid to low 20s home runs he's not on the astros anymore so the 100 100 days are likely not gonna happen again uh and the minnesota lineup is not bad but it's not houston no uh peak houston at that he hasn't stolen a base since 2019 yeah that part is gone and that's a self-preservation thing i would imagine right absolutely so like yeah, I do. I think like, I think the batting average comes back a little bit. Like he's fine, especially if you feel confident that he's going to be healthy. The problem is I have zero confidence he's going to be healthy. So and that's the that's the thing. And you're thinking that two fifty nine ADP is just not enough of a discount to take that gamble. Then, uh, yeah, I mean I, I would take probably every guy in this tier over him. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Um, just just because like and, and people are like well javi bias sucks why would you take him javi bias plays every day and he's 140 like, picks cheaper yeah like i will take even like even at cost like you're like or even if like it's similar cost like let's say both guys are at pick 350 
I'm still going Javi Baez because I feel like I'm going to get 150 games. Like, I mean, I guess the counter to that would be now he hasn't played 150 since 2018. Baez hasn't? Yeah. 547 played appearances last year in 136 games, 144 in 2022, 138 in 21, and then 138 back in 2019. But he does have 500 plus plate appearances in all four of those years. Um, the power, you know, power speed is usually the name of his game. Now he, he power outage last year with nine homers. Um, obviously things went really south there. Uh, but I think with the with the price difference, I definitely can yeah, see some, why maybe you I go with bias. Maybe I retract that I take them both at the same. Um, but yeah, I definitely take the discount on bias. At like, the discount, yeah. yeah. Uh, but with Correa, he's a guy I've loved. Um, it, I, he's actually who I want. It's funny we talked bias with him. When there was the big shortstop class available, I really, really wanted Correa. And when they got bias, I really wasn't that excited about it. Like I wanted to be proven wrong, but so far I have not been. Uh, to be honest, it wouldn't be that much better with Correa at this point, assuming things had fallen wrong along, along the same trajectory, excuse me. And at least Baez still brings excellent defense. Uh, he yeah. does, you know, when he does play his 500 plus plate appearances, his 130 to 145 games, it's excellent defense. And that's great up the middle. Let's talk Crawford because he's coming off a big breakout here for him, at least JP Crawford. Um, you know, he led the league in walks, which is really nice. That's not a direct category in most leagues, but that gets you on base and scoring runs in a team like Seattle, which, you know, fell short of their expectations last year, but still had a pretty good season and it helped get him 94 runs, easily a career high. But the big 19 homers was a colossal spike, 13 over the 2022 season and 10 more than his previous career high. He doesn't run much either. He gives you a, a little trickle. I mean, not nothing. Two steals last year. You don't even care about that. But 266, 380, 434 was the slash line. He's also on the right side of 30. Are you buying in on, on the J.P. Crawford uh, breakout year? Because 275 is not a terrible price, it seems, if you like him. Um, I mean, I'm not buying that he's going to hit 19 home runs again. Uh, okay. Or, or score 94 runs. Uh, but I mean, I do buy that there is more power in the bat than maybe we expected. Uh, I mean, he, he pulled the ball. Like, let's, let's be honest. Like you go over, look at his spray chart. It's all over and right, like right field. And the vast majority of them are right at the freaking pole. So like, he just went, I'm going to try to pull shit, um, you know, and yank it out. And it worked. You know, and so it worked. Like, yeah. 43% <laughs> pull rate after 34th and 30 the last two years. So yeah. that was a concerted effort along with a 12% homer to fly ball rate, which on its face is not a crazy home run to fly ball rate, but relative to his career is a colossal spike. He was at four and 6% the two years before that and 7% career for JP Crawford. Um, also a fly ball jump, not a huge spike, but a six point jump up to 38%, actually seven point, excuse me, 31% the last, uh, the two years before that. So I know you said, okay, he's not going to hit 19 again, but do you think he's going to go all the way back down to six, given that there was at least a strategy change that yielded these home runs here with the pull no. and the raised up fly ball? I think he's going to probably be like a 13 to 15 kind of homer guy. Okay, so you're um, right in line with the projections. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, if you look at like the month by month the breakdown, he had like one home run in April and two home runs in May and then three home runs every single month until he got to September where he jacked seven. Um, oh, that's like, I just, okay. Like, I just think that is an aberration. 
Um, like, and so like, okay, probably give him the equivalent to three a month. And you're that's you're 18 15. then, no, no, three times six. There's April, six months in July, August. Oh, it is. So then you're at eight because then, okay, yeah, you know, you're not, you're not going to get seven in a month like you did in September, but maybe you're not going to get one in April either. So you balance yeah. those two out and then all of a sudden we're looking I think at 15, 17. I think 15 is where I'm probably at here. That's, um, that's a good projection. You should, you should bring yeah. it down for a projection, but I think you just talked yourself into the notion that maybe 17, 18, 19 again is at least on the table. For sure. Uh, what I like is he just makes a lot of contact. Yeah. Um, like he, you know, he's 90% zone contact, which was uh, last year, which is actually the worst uh, year he's had in the last three years in terms of zone contact. Like he wow, sacrificed some big of his for contact. Yeah. Just so he could, you know, pump a few extra out. So, I mean, this is a clear, you know, decision change yeah. um, for him. And uh, so if he wants to keep it going and I expect he would, then he probably will. So I would say, 15 home runs uh you know it's weird that he doesn't steal bases i know like like because he i mean he doesn't have great speed necessarily his sprint speed is like no but you don't have to to steal yeah he just Um, he's he seems like a smart base maybe maybe i'm just like projecting i don't know like from minor leagues or something but i always felt like he was going to be a solid base runner. now he's not like a tell Marte where he just has speed to burn and doesn't use it. Like you said, his speed isn't great, but I thought he was like, you know, a pretty savvy base runner that would get your, you know, eight to 12 a given year, but he doesn't come anywhere near that. He has 22 for his career in uh 668 only, games for JP only Crawford. attempted to last year. Yeah. He was um, two for two, even with the one in rules. April and one in August. Like, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, like th- there was no, no reason to think like he's gonna, uh, change anything it may be a team decision too because i mean he let off for a lot of the season and they may just be like listen j-rod's up behind you don't run into an out exactly and that makes sense yeah because he is he does get on base a ton and that's how you score 94 runs is just sit there wait uh until j-rod or cal Rowley bring you around uh and then this year polanco and and mitch garver are going to be up there too so Mm -hmm. i kind of like jp crawford i think the price is fair coming off the breakout i don't think it's an exorbitant price it's it's moved up obviously from previous years where he was a complete draft afterthought but i think in jp crawford after pick 250 i I can get behind that i'm okay with that yeah i think it's a perfect like backup plan at mi if you if you miss out on the other options absolutely this all-star, Orlando RC, I mentioned he made the all-star game last year, which was definitely a surprise. We talked about Vaughn Grissom, I think it was yesterday, actually, and how you know we never really believed that he was going to be the shortstop. Even though Arcia was like the next man up, it was hard to be confident that they were just going to turn the job over to Arcia. but we knew the one thing that Arcia could do was pick it. And so it turns out they trusted him to do that. He was they were he excuse me he rewarded them with a 17 homer season and the all star bid 65 ribbies 66 runs 264 321 420 solid season also on the right side of 30 so we got three 29 year olds here did Arcia doing anything for you off the uh, the re breakout year <laughs> so weird so like when uh, when he was a prospect for the Brewers I was like really excited I was like oh man he's you know, like, I don't think he's got a ton of pop, but he's just got enough to be like a 15 homer guy. But man, he's got speed. He's fast. And he's I, I was a fanboy. He's never run like the dude. Like 
he had a, a 14 stolen base season and then it was just downhill and that was there. 14 for 21 so that was like a volume thing because 14 mm -hmm. for 21 is not a good success rate yeah so it may just be a matter of like he's a bad base runner because he does have a little bit of speed like i guess the sprint speed is pretty low actually um it's surprising um so yeah like he's kind of just a defensive stalwart that is going to play every day because of that. And that has value. Sure. So especially like your draft champions leagues, I'm totally fine with that. But I don't know if I'm going to draft a guy in like a regular 15 team league, much less a 10 or 12, I want them to have some upside league. Like I just like, this is just such boring production. Like this is the kind of guy that you draft, but you know, you're going to pick someone else up later. Yeah. And it just seems like, even if he kind of repeats uh, or even maybe gets a little bit better, I just don't know where Orlando Arcia would move in the lineup. I think ninth is just ninth, where he lives yeah. and yeah. that's just going to keep the runs and ribbies down, even on a great team like Atlanta. So I'm he, with he you only there. moves up to like seven or eight. If they want to put a guy at the bottom to restart the lineup, that's faster with run. Yeah. With speed, maybe yeah. like Which uh, they've done in the loser, past. like a loser, Michael like Harris, Kelnick or something. Oh, <laughs> They've done it with Michael Harris. Yeah, they have so. done it with Harris. So, um, yeah, I know I know the Harris believers do not want that to happen. They want him yeah. batting sixth up there uh, to get that better volume. But, yeah, Arcia, again, if you get him, it's not killing you at 329, but I'm just not that interested in it. Yeah. Ahmed Rosario does not have a team, so I'm not going to hold you to too much here because we don't really know his outlook. But generally, how do you feel about Ahmed Rosario? Does he, is he somebody you ever look at in the middle of these drafts as like a potential um, speed oasis where you can get some double-digit speed out of him? Or are you just not that interested in Arcia coming off of uh, his worst hitting year out of the last three at just an 89 OPS plus? What do you think? And yeah, do you have any idea? Pardon me. And also, if you have any ideas on a potential landing spot, I'm open to that too. Yeah. Um, is that my phone? Oh, sorry. Uh, apologize for that. Um, no problem. Yeah. I have zero interest in drafting Rosario until I know where he's at. Um, because the problem with Rosario is he's really bad defensively. Yeah. And so I don't like, I think he's probably a bench bat for somebody unless a team that is missing a shortstop, like maybe Oakland comes up and goes, we're going to give you the job on a one year God, pillow contract. He is such an Oakland player at this point. Like that is exactly the kind yeah. of Tony Kemp ass guy that they would pick up. Exactly. Uh, a guy who could play multiple positions. They can flip really easy, you know, something like that. So, uh, put him in the that, outfield too. He's got infield outfield. Yeah. Capability, so not, like, not eligibility. Sorry, but capability. He's second. Now, Ahmed Rosario is second short eligible. You know, if maybe a team needs a second baseman, uh, because I really don't think he should be an everyday shortstop, even on a dreadful team like Oakland. But I'm just having trouble coming up with with landing spots for Ahmed Rosario. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just he's going to end up somewhere that is okay using him as a utility player. Um, yep. Which is a bummer because, like, I love his offense potential. If he does find a place where he can get six year play appearances, I'm going to be in because then the price is way too cheap. You get power and speed. I, you know, I do think he uh, is kind of, you know, like a decent bat, but he's just so bad defensively that I don't know that any team's going to give him the reins full. 
Yeah. And and it's kind of showing with the fact that he's still out here because, he, like you said, he's a solid plus bat. He's coming off a tough year, but I think most teams will see that and say, okay, he had a down year. You can get back to being a plus bat with your double-double capability. But um, Ahmed Rosario, just not a good fielder, and that's hurting him. And I'm with you. I'm not really drafting him until I, I see where he can land. I might call this a hunch. I mean, because that's what it is. I have no basis for it. I just feel like Tim Anderson... Oh, he's a free agent too, isn't he? I, I almost said that when we were talking about him, and I I, yeah. I wasn't certain on myself, so I didn't say that. So he's a free agent too. He does strike me as somebody who's going to find it again. It, it, yeah. It's pure hunch, but I kind of like taking him uh, in at least a league or two as a gamble because I think he's going to get back. Um, I just, I don't know. I feel like he's too good to be this crappy this fast. Maybe I'm wrong, but what do you think about Tim Anderson? Is he somebody you'll draft before he lands or do you need him to land too? Obviously he had the crazy power outage last year. The average went to shit. Nothing went right. Is his 350 ADP something that you want to take the gamble on though, just in case he gets back? Yeah, I think he's going to be one of my more drafted players. Um, just especially in these drafts where he hasn't signed yet, because I do think he's going to find a full-time job. He's still a good defensive player. I think you can chalk up a lot of last year to injuries and just the overall team makeup. Yep. Um, I think he'd be a perfect fit in Miami or a perfect fit in uh, San Francisco. Uh, and I do think he's going to land a full-time job here in the next week or two. Uh, so yeah, I've been taking dart throws like, he got extremely unlucky last year. Two like percent homer to fly ball. <laughs> like, come on, yeah. He had one bomb. Yeah. Like, he, I don't know, man. And he, it's, it wasn't even like a bad bit cratering down to three twenty three. He just two forty five batting average. I just don't think that's who he is. He'll be thirty one this year. He has enough track record that. I just don't buy that he's a 60 WRC plus. I think a clean bill of health for Tim Anderson with a team. I like the teams you named, San Francisco and Miami. You know, neither of those parks are going to fuel power, but we don't even need him to get back to like crazy power. We just don't believe he's a one home run guy. Yeah. I'll take nine though, but with a, a 290 average and, and, mm -hmm. and a bunch of steals because I do think he could run wild. If he's fully healthy, I think he'll take advantage of the new rules and run wild because he's always been a very efficient base runner. Absolutely. I so yeah, agree. fully in on that. And that price point is excellent. I don't remember what we talked about with Chris Taylor at third base, but he's still a Dodger still bouncing around. I feel like yeah. I'm, 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 I'm whatever on him. I'll put him in a DC, but that's really kind of it for me. What were you at on Chris Taylor? Yeah. The only reason I'm drafting him is for the multi-position eligibility. Yeah. Um, I just don't know what the role is going to be. The skills aren't, I mean, he like still hits for power. Like he still gets yeah. his like and but, 16 for 19 on the bases. Yeah, like so, like there's nothing technically wrong with him except for just the underlying skills are, are kind of scary, and I don't know what the role is going to be consistently in Los Angeles. So, um, a good DC player, but not someone I'm really drafting in in fab leagues. Yeah, that, that that's where I'm at with Chris Taylor as well. And then Baez, we kind of already spoke about, but he's at pick 400. Another guy that like I'm not as interested in him as I am, say um, Tim Anderson, but has enough on his ledger that at pick 400, I will take a shot on Baez just because I think he gets back to being a double-double guy, which now he does have two years in a row where he wasn't because he went 17 and nine in 2022 and then nine and 12 last year. He's bad. He strikes out too much, although it was actually down to 23% last year. It's just that the gifts of him swinging at the terrible pitches circulate so much that it makes you think he has like a 45% K rate. But I, I, I think he's better than this. I think I can, get, can at least get like 15-15 out of him. 
And um, so, I, or maybe not, maybe not 15 steals because he hasn't done that for a few years, but like 15, 10, and I'll take that in, in a DC. But similar to what you said about Chris Taylor, I'm not going to take him in, in redraft leagues. What do you think about uh, Baez? You mentioned that you would take him over Correa at, at their relative prices, but is he somebody you're landing on at all at pick 400? In some DCs, I've taken him just because I know he's going to play. I didn't get him so late. Um, but... I'm kind of looking at the underlying numbers on Baez and I'm wondering if there's been some poor coaching in Detroit. Um, not to say, not to say it's like not his fault because these are his skills, Mm -hmm. but what was he in Chicago? He was a guy that he swung and missed a lot, right? Wasn't making like making 70 something percent zone contact, which is atrocious. Right. Um, But he was swinging all the freaking time. So if you're swinging every pitch, and you're making 75% zone contact, all you need is, you know, one third of those contacts to result in getting you on base. And now you've got a 250 batting average, which is yeah. kind of what he was doing in Chicago over the course of his career. Now, sometimes you're going to get luckier than others. And so that's why we have some 280s and 270 batting averages. And that's why we have some 200 batting averages. What he's done since getting to Detroit is become more passive, especially in the zone. Yeah. And um, and with no result, no uptick in yeah. walks, right? So he's yeah. probably giving up pitches that Bias could actually hit for a cosmetic idea of of being more patient. And and he hasn't gained very much he's gained a little bit in terms of zone contact. He's gotten above 80%, but it's not really working for him. No. Um you know, uh because on top of like when you have that bad of recognition in the strike zone, like it's either you 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 need to be aggressive, right? Because if you're not aggressive, you're going to end up taking a lot of cold strikes as well because you don't yep. realize when something is in the zone or not. Yep. So I'd, I'd almost rather see him revert back to the previous worst quote unquote skills and go, listen, I'm going to miss a lot, but I'm going to swing a lot. And, uh, and when I swing a lot every once in a while, I'm going to make really, really hard, loud contact and it's going to go over the fence. So that's what I would prefer because the added patience has not resulted in added walks. If it was resulting in added walks, like then I'd be like, okay, fine. You know, at least he's getting on base and stealing something, but that's not happening. Exactly. I I, I couldn't have said it better myself. And then with Baez also, um, he's got to hate that park, man. He has a 596 OPS there in 580 plate appearances. So get back to hacking because, you know, again, you're already striking out a ton anyway. You're not walking. Just keep swinging again and get back to the maybe maybe 20 homers could come back again. I'll take 20-10 all day. I'll take 15-10. And again, I'll take him in a DC because the PT is guaranteed uh, and I'll have him fill in every once in a while. But I, I don't hold out hope for a, a, a big spike season the way I do a Tim Anderson or, or a Carlos Correa. If you kind of pair mm-hmm. those three veterans together, I see the other two with a much better chance to be like legitimate superstars for us this year. Whereas for Baez, it w- I would be kind of blown away if he got yeah. back to his Cubs peak. All right, post 300 prospect types. So they're not all exactly prospects, but they're in that that realm of, of youth where you can still bet on some uh, upside. Jordan Lawler at 313, Bryce Terang 318, Mason Wynn 360, Leover Pagaro at 413, Jose Caballero, who we discussed a bit after his trade, pick 421, Geraldo Perdomo, who we discussed at second base, 435, Marco Luciano at 469, Brian Rocchio at 490, and Colson 
Montgomery at 495. Let's take them in order. Let's start with Jordan Lawler out in Arizona. You know, he's a guy who cares about his sample last year. It was trash. It does not matter. I think it was like, wasn't like 15 plate appearances even. It was nothing. But like, yeah. I'm not, 34, 34 plate, plate appearances. Who cares? It was a minus four WRC plus. And like I said, I'm not just wiping it away because it was bad. Even if he had a 400 WRC plus, I wouldn't give a shit. It does not matter because of the size of it. Um, but in the minors, double and triple A, he was excellent. And so he really showed out. He got a little two-week taste of the majors as a reward. I think sending him back to AAA to kind of get some more seasoning makes some sense. But what do you think? Can we see Lawler for a, a significant period of time this year with the Diamondbacks? Mm, I mean, I think he's going to be up at some point. But the addition of Eugenio Suarez kind of complicates things. So, Yeah, especially with Rivera still on the team, too. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think Rivera is much of a uh, no, but he's already the backup, robot. is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think for me, it's a matter of like how long do guys stay healthy, right? If yeah. if guys stay healthy and productive, um, then Lawler stays down, uh, and if Kettle Marte specifically, because mm -hmm. he's the guy who tends to get hurt, gets hurt, then I think he comes up, and then you can move Perdomo over to second base and have Lawler play shortstop but or Lawler couldn't he play second base himself or is he a good he, is he a really good fielder? he's a he is a real good fielder so, okay okay um I I think that once Lawler comes up he played all of his all of his games at short when he was up Got um it. they would move Perdomo to second um and then you know Suarez you know who's a good defender at third can stick at third I think defense really matters to them so if let's say Perdomo like started to struggle defensively um then I could see that Coming, uh, coming up, but Perdomo's a good defender, so I don't see that that, be, that being an issue. Uh, unless Lawler really just is tearing the cover off the ball in AAA, which, I mean, he could. It's he could, Reno, right? yeah, he, he could so, force his way up, yeah. Um, but I think that he's kind of blocked right now. Um, so I'm not investing in Lawler in any sort of redraft format. I still would invest in him in... Uh, in a dynasty, um, especially, I think he there might be a buying opportunity once opening day rosters are announced and it, he goes down. So, okay. Uh, but ultimately, from a redraft perspective, I wouldn't peg him for more than 300 plate appearances, and I'm not drafting a guy that high. That includes DCs, right? I know you're really yeah. not in on these guys that might not come up until summer for DCs because I know you start to think like, oh, 50 rounds, that's fine. We talk about it all the time for a reason. It piles up on you quickly. Yep. And then all of a sudden, like if, you if you if you draft, you know, like like all of like Corey Seager is a really good example, right? Oh, I've got Corey Seager, I've got Lawler, and then I've got I've got JP Crawford. Well, mm -hmm. Corey Seager starting the year on the IL potentially. Lawler starts the year in the minors. Something happens to JP Crawford. Now you have nobody. Yeah, right? you are taking a zero, and that kills you. So. Um, this is why I don't draft these guys very often that are going to start the year on the IL or start the year yeah. on the IL or the minors. And Lawler could really feasibly not come up until Jan July 4th, and it wouldn't yeah. be 
crazy. He's 20, or going to be 21, rather. He has 16 games at AAA, 14 bad ones in the majors. And again, I'm not saying the bad part because that's going to super affect it, but like, there's no rush here unless he just rips the cover off the ball or creates an opening with, with an injury. So I agree. I'm not really taking him. There's other guys I want, including this next guy, because even though I think Lawler's better, I know Bryce Terang has a job in Milwaukee, and I, th I think at the very least, give me that certainty. He had 26 steals last year and 448 plate appearances with a dreadful bat, but at least if I got into that situation you were talking about with Crawford and Seager, and you know I needed somebody at that point, I could turn to a Bryce Terang who's going to be playing damn near every day in Milwaukee. So I don't love his bat. I don't think there's a ton of upside. I think he's better than a 60 WRC+. plus. But not that much. I think he's probably more like an 85 WRC plus with with speed. But at least it's that guaranteed PT in the majors. That's why I would actually consider him for a DC. What do you think about uh, Bryce Terang in Milwaukee? I don't know how guaranteed full time playing time is for Terang. Um, uh -oh. I think he I think he is at least the strong side platoon with the potential of full time playing time. But he did hit 188 against left handed pitching last year. Um, okay, so st strong side PT then. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Uh, but I do think, like you said, like he could steal a crap ton of bases in that time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I mean, he had 404 plate appearances and stole 26 bases. Like, if he can get 500 plate appearances, that's 30 stolen bases more than likely. So, um, I like him as an option, but there is some risk, right? Like, if he continues to struggle against lefties, it's like he was great against righties either. Like he could find himself back down in the minor leagues. I don't know what the Brewers doing. I don't think they know what they're doing necessarily. They got some sort of plan. Like he's got options. So and they do have other guys. You know, Joy Ortiz could move over to second, and they could bring up Tyler Black. Tyler Black. Um, yep. So uh, I think what's more likely to happen is uh, they trade Adamus and Terang moves over to short. Mm -hmm. uh, Tyler Black takes third, and Joy Ortiz takes second, and that's what they roll with. But until we see that trade, I'm a I'm a little bit more I'm I'm tempering my expectations on Terang getting 600 foot appearances. That's totally fair. That is, that is completely fair there. At pick 318, if I need some speed, I can look at him. He's not somebody I desperately want, but at the same cost, I do want Terang a lot more than Lawler for this year specifically. I do love Lawler going forward though. Mason Wynn is a very intriguing guy. You know, they flirted with some two-way action for him, but now he is just pit, uh, hitting with the Cardinals. He's penciled in as a starting shortstop right now. A, do you believe that? B, what are your expectations if Mason Wynn gets that job from day one? Paul DeYoung no longer in the picture there. Uh, path is cleared for Mason Wynn. Is he, is he ready for takeoff? Um, I think he is like, I don't know that there's a crap ton of upside necessarily, but, uh, he is fast. I think he's got, you know, maybe just below league average power. Um, mm -hmm. and I think he's got a decent enough hit tool to make it work. I feel like Wynn is one of those guys that kind of is a bit underrated. Maybe it's because the small sample was so bad. Uh, but I mean, he was 18, homer's 17 stolen bases in triple a last year with a yeah. 288 batting average and it wasn't like he running a super high babbit or something had like a nine percent walk rate you know low strikeout rate all throughout the minors and even in the majors last year in that small sample was a low strikeout rate like i think there's a lot to like in mason win but i think people are overlooking it honestly like i think this so guy's too. a top 50 prospect that 
you know, is going to be the full-time starter, I think, in St. Louis. I think it's the ugly sample, you know, because um, it, it was a 29 WRC plus and 137 plate appearances. That is still tiny. Again, that's another one that I wash away. I'm not I'm not worried about that. It's He was a 21-year-old as well. He's got his footing under him a little bit more. I, I like where you're at with the AAA numbers there. That was really nice. Showed even more speed, you know, at, at other stops coming up. 28 for 33 in uh, 86 games at AA back in 2022. So he could have speed to burn. So even if he was like a 9-10 home run hitter, I think there's upside mm -hmm. to be like a 25 steal type of guy. I really like Mason Wynn. And then when you're talking about these three together, Lawler, Terang, and Wynn, now I've got Wynn way ahead of Terang. Mm -hmm. I would much rather have him, especially at a discount, let alone if they were equal price. So I'm with you. I think he's being a little bit overlooked, and I'll take that discount and take the shot on a Mason win. What about Leo Verpagero with Pittsburgh? The sneaky Pirates, as you've been dubbing them this uh, this offseason, you've been saying keep tabs on them. Them and KC, right? You've been, you've been mm -hmm. promoting that they could have deeper lineups than expected. Leo Verpagero's at the bottom of the lineup. He didn't kill it last year in his time. 213 plate appearances of a 74 WRC+. plus. That's starting to be a little bit of a bigger sample. It's still small. Uh, I'm not rinsing it all away as nothing because he did have a 32% K rate and 5% walk rate. That might be indicative of, of some plate skill trouble. But seven homers, six steals. 22 years old last year. He'll be 23 this year. Piguero should have uh, an angle on that second base job. Does he give any interest from you? Not a ton. Um, I, I worry he's going to end up in a platoon. And if he ends up in a platoon, he's on the short side. I was going to say that um, could be really rough. Yeah. I mean, there, like, there's just not a ton in terms of like a carrying tool for fantasy for him. I really think he really needs the uh, full-time playing time in order to kind of unlock anything really juicy. Uh, and Juwan Bay is there. Juwan Bay is a lefty. Juwan Bay was really good until he got hurt. Uh, and I, you know, you look at what Pagaro did in that short sample. He hit 308 against lefties and 203 against righties. Oh, that sounds like a short side platoon guy. Short side. Yep. Um, so Dang. that, like, I, I understand why some people are like, ooh, no, he's going to be given the job because I think they forgot about Bay. But Bay's a Bay, and he's going to... Bay is Bay, yeah. He's going to get opportunities, I think. So, um, honestly, I think this is one of those that you should probably look a different direction. I think that's fair. And I, I, I am one of those who has had some uh, some Pagaro love. Now, he is cheap enough that like it's not killing you to take him, but I don't know that you want to stock up as like this is my breakout type of guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think you want to go that route very often as I'm looking over. I think I only have him on one roster, so that's good. Because I, I, I did talk him up a little bit earlier in the season. I'm glad to see here as I look over my rosters that I don't have him on a bunch. Because yeah, short side platoon, you just don't you don't want that at all. Yeah. That that doesn't that doesn't bring anything for you. All right. Well, Leover Pagaro, we'll see what happens with him. Caballero, we did talk about him during the trade a bit. I don't remember how deep we went. I just know that as we keep getting deeper into the offseason here uh, and get closer to spring training, the more I'm interested in Caballero. What do you think of him as the starting shortstop for the Rays? I feel like they're going to give him a real shot at this job. And he had 26 steals last year and 280 plate appearances with a 96 WRC plus, I feel like he could be a decent player for them. I think they're just going to kind of go, you know, glove first there at short, get their offense everywhere else and, and turn him loose. I, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by Caballero. What about you? 
I think it really comes down to like, what do we think? When do we think Taylor Walls is going to be back? Because true, like Caballero, like as of right now, if the season started next week, I'd be like Caballero is the starting shortstop. He will get all the reps at least early on in the season. Um, and he was a really, really good defender, at least from a range perspective, uh, in uh, 2023. Taylor Walls is an elite defender, too. They yes. really like Taylor Walls. I know he's coming off of off-season hip surgery. It really kind of depends on whether Walls is going to be ready for opening day or not. There's a feeling, I think, right now that he's probably going to miss the first month of the season. And so I'm totally fine taking the gamble on Caballero knowing that I can drop him for somebody else if Taylor Walls comes back and starts taking his playing time. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't like if I think in a draft and hold, I'm a little less likely to take the gamble because you're kind of stuck with him and he could just become a utility infielder, um, which I mean, could still be helpful because he can steal a lot of bases and short stints, but it's just not, it's easy to predict when those short stints are going to come. Um, so I'm, in, in in regular fab leagues, deep fab leagues, I'm definitely down for Caballero. In your DCs, I'm a little bit less. I think that's fair. I think in the DC, like the price is such that like it's not going to kill you if you have taken him already and you want to take another share or two at 421. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I, I do think that I can see your angle there on the better play being in a waiver league where you can say, okay, this didn't quite work out because Walls came here and just took over the job. So we're going to punt uh, Caballero back to the uh, back to the waiver wire. But I, as it stands right now, because it's a pretty big surgery, you know, hip surgery is a big deal for mm-hmm. Walls. I'll take my short sample steals here. And, you know, I still, even with the more plentiful steals out there, I still find myself sometimes coming up a little bit short where I just take too many power guys. And so I think that's maybe why I lean on some of these speedy guys later and end up, you know, getting a Tim Anderson, a Bryce Terang, and a Caballero, you know, two of those three in a given draft to supplement my steals. So I do and like I think him. that's what you should do. Like, I think you should prioritize batting average in power. And then because you're going to there's going to be Jose Caballero every year that mm-hmm. kind of comes off of a wa- every waiver wire in your league and steals 20 something bases Yep. Um, with these new rules. John so, Curry. like, yeah, I think there's just going to be, you know, the old school Jared Dyson's and Rajay mm-hmm. Davis's that just like give you a ton of stolen bases for no cost. Um, so I think that is the right strategy. I just want people to know, like, hey, like. This isn't a set it and forget it, look at the end of the season line kind of guy. I think that there is a, as long as Taylor Wallace comes back healthy, and that's an if, right? I mean, obviously sure. he could have a setback. He could miss half season, he could miss the whole season. Um, but like, if and when Taylor Wallace comes back, they like Taylor Wallace. Like he's going to get played. He's a good defender. He's got a little bit of pop. He's got speed. Like uh, he's going to get an opportunity. But until Walls comes off the IL, Cabrera, I think, is the dude. Since he's on our list later, I'll ask you real quick on Taylor Walls. At pick 509, is he somebody you're specking on? Like, do you like him enough that um, you're going to take the gamble on the health, or you're just saying be careful over investing on Caballero because of Walls? Yeah, no, I, I don't. Walls most likely starting the year on the IL. I'm not I'm not taking yeah. it at all. Okay, that's, that's where I'm at, too. Like, but I don't think we, Walls is good, but I just think he's going to play. Yeah, because he can pick it really well. Yeah. Uh, Perdomo, we discussed at second base. Marco Luciano, your guy. 
This was a one-time huge prospect, but uh, his prospect star has dimmed a bit. But it looks like he's got a, a bead on the job at shortstop for y'all. Um, you know, he had a little sample last year, nothing to really write home about. But And, and actually only played 18 games at, at AAA, too. So he's kind of like Lawler, where he played, you know, mostly at AA, a little bit at triple and the majors, neither of which were particularly special. I think that's why you said Tim Anderson could be the guy for y'all, because are you really going to go into the season with Luciano? It seems... Like that would be a pretty big challenge for a guy who struck out 37, 38% of the time in his double A or in his triple A and MLB samples. What do you think of the 22 year old Luciano? So Zaidi, uh, the GM um, has said that they uh, are giving Luciano the, the opportunity to compete for the everyday role. I mean, they would like him to take that opportunity okay. and run with it. I mean, this is a former top tier prospect. Mm-hmm. That's the good news. <laughs> the good news is uh, about to end, y'all. Yeah. Uh, the bad news is um, Luciano has a ton of raw talent. Um, like a lot of like, you know, you watch him take batting practice and you you go, wow, this guy's got power, right? Like, um, and uh, he's, a, I'd say, an adequate defender, you know, average to adequate defender. Uh, at short, uh, but he can't hit the ball when people aren't just throwing it for batting practice. Um, and when he does hit the ball, it doesn't go in the direction you'd like it to go. It, it goes down. Um, what do you think his average launch angle was? In it's obviously a short sample, right? We're talking sure. about 45 plate appearances, right? In in the majors. What do you say think like, his launch angle? I'm gonna say like two degrees because you're 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 setting it up to be pretty low. So I'm gonna say two degrees. Right. So you know, and you would usually, you know, average anywhere from like eleven to seventeen, right? Or yeah. something like that. Um negative four point five. <laughs> Does he swing like this? I'm oh, sorry, sorry. Correction, negative 5.1. Oh, um, geez. You get that. Get that. So he's chopped down. The ball. What the yeah. hell? That's terrible. I mean, that's just beating it into yeah. the ground when he makes contact, too, because you mentioned he doesn't, he hardly ever makes contact. Yeah. That's the real concern. Like I said, 36% in, in his little AAA sample, 38% K rate for Marco Luciano in his major league sample. And then when he does make contact, it goes straight into the ground right in front of his feet. So, it's just hard to be terribly excited about anything with him right now. Yeah. yeah, the price point is low at 469, but I think I just like too many other players. And I don't know if he's going to break camp here, right? Like we got him penciled in, but I would not take that as Bible that he's going to be they, the dude. Unless they bring someone else in, I think he breaks camp. Um, so. but, but you mentioned Tim Anderson as a fit. I do think that that'd be a great fit for you. I think it would be a fantastic fit. I hope. I mean, even honestly, even Med Rosario is a fantastic fit. Yeah. Just go ahead and bring in him. Uh, but the giants have made like vocal, like kind of commitments to the guy, or at least committed to give him the opportunity. So I do think that there's a pretty good chance that they just roll with Luciano. Um, but just don't be fooled. Cause there are going to be people that would be like, who he's got an over 50% hard hit percentage. It's much easier to hit. Like, think about like when you're swinging an ax, right? Yeah. Which direction is it easier to swing it up or down? Exactly. Exactly. And that's down. that's part of the reason why his hard hit percentage is so high is because he's swinging down into the ground and never makes contact. So it's yes. a limited sample of contact 
and it's it's bad contact, but it happens to be hard. And that's why hard hit rate on its own can only give you so much info. So it's a great point mm -hmm. there. Be careful with Luciano. I take either of these next two guys over him, to be honest. Let's start with Brian Rocchio in Cleveland. Um, you know, he's an interesting guy. They got him and Gabriel Arias here kind of battling for some things in at shortstop there. Rocchio got a little taste of the majors, 86 plate appearances, nothing to write home about there. Basically played a full year at AAA, 537 plate appearances, seven homers, 25 steals as kind of a league average bat, but almost a one-to-one -one strikeout to walk ratio, which I really liked. It was a big walk rate spike for him from 8% to 11. Um, and his strikeout rate has come down a decent bit and it, it rounded out at 12% last year. Of course, he comes to the majors and while it was a tiny sample, he looked nothing like that guy with a 31% K rate and 5% walk rate. I'll lean more on the 537 plate appearances, but I I, I don't want to get too hung up on that uh, on that strikeout to walk ratio, even though it was good. Uh, can Rokio do anything here? Can he be a 20 steal guy if he gets that shortstop job? Um, I don't know that I would say a 20 steal guy. I think you're looking at maybe a 15, like a 10 to 15 stolen base guy. Uh, I, what kind of pop? Seven, eight? Yeah, like 10 maybe at best, really. Okay, so, so maybe a double-double if, if he, he volumes to it. Be, he needs to be a, yeah, he needs to be a accumulator. Like there's yeah. no, like, like there isn't really, like his best tool is a hit tool, which is a good tool to have. Sure. But in order for that hit tool to mean much, you need to volume your plate appearances. And I think he will. Um, but like you're talking about, like maybe like a 265 batting average, um, you know, that can go one way or the other, depending on Babbitt plug. And mm -hmm. maybe 10 home runs, maybe 15 stolen bases, if he can continue to keep all that playing time. Uh, part of the other issue is not a great defender necessarily. I mean, yeah. average to below average. So uh, I would say that the chance that he keeps that playing time if he struggles at the dish is pretty low. So I think there isn't a ton of reward here, but there's a lot of risk. Yeah, I think that that's that's fair. I, I, I see some upside for Rokio in the long term, but I just don't know if it's going to come to fruition this year. So I'm not really trying to dive in. I, again, I would take him over Luciano personally, but I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to advocate for him too heavily. This next guy, even though I don't think he'll break camp, and that's why I'm not really going to have him in too many DCs. Once Colson Montgomery comes up, I'm definitely in because this dude yeah. can rake. The problem is I don't know when that would be. This team's going to suck shit this year. Um, he's peaked at double A. He did go to finishing school, a.k.a. the Arizona Fall League. But I think he needs – it doesn't make any sense for them to really bring him up too early unless he is just blitzing triple A to a degree that's like, okay, you got to bring him up now. But that's my biggest hang-up with Colson Montgomery is I just don't know when this wretched team would call him up. And so that's why I can't get too hyped until we know that. But I do like the long-term aspect of Colson Montgomery. I think he's got a really good bat, and I think that's what we're going to eventually see is some really major power from him. He just needs more seasoning. So he's not a 2023 guy or 2024 guy for me right now, um, unless he comes up in the summer after having a great AAA run. But what do you think about Colson Montgomery? More on the dynasty landscape, though. So the problem from a 2024 uh, perspective, so you now get draft picks if yeah. your rookies do well, right? So the, but the problem is if you're a team like the White Sox, you know, you're not going to be good. 
and you know that Colson Montgomery isn't going to be up right away, are you really going to get many draft picks if you bring him up in July? That's the thing. Now like, they're almost incentivized to make sure he doesn't pass his rookie eligibility threshold. So that he can do it so, next year. So he could do it next year. And I think that's what happens. Yep. Um, so like, I don't think he's up until August or September. Um, and I don't think he passes the rookie eligibility thresholds, which means he does not have an impact for fantasy, except for maybe in the last month of the season. Yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. But what about what about the dynasty long term then with I like uh, him Montgomery? Long-term. Um, you know, obviously the hit tool is kind of the big question, sure. but the majority of his stops throughout the minor leagues, he's kept his strikeout rate around or below 20%. Um, so With good swinging strike rates too, but he, he does yeah. go for, you know, he goes for his power and there is a ton of pop in the bat. So I, the problem is he was only had 167 plate appearances. So I do think he's a 2025 guy. He is a guy that I think will be moving up kind of your, you know, dynasty ranks um, over the course of this year as he starts to get closer and closer. Uh, but I just, for this year, I don't really care that much. Yep. That's exactly where I'm at. Keep the name close Montgomery in your brain. And if he does come up in the summer because he's raking in triple A, be ready to waiver or to free agent bid him, but don't get too hung up right now in drafting him. I, I, I think there's just many other guys I'd rather take that have a real potential to do some damage this year, including the guy who's going to start ahead of him. And as we move to our la- la- next second to last year here, excuse me, anything left in the tank, John Birdie at 428, Cal Farmer 493, Jorge Mateo 523, and Paul DeYoung 607. I want to start in reverse order there because we don't really have to cover all four in deep deep detail here but paul DeYoung, a former big time favorite of yours back in in <laughs> st louis ages ago mind you so i'm not i'm not like trying to roast you on that or anything i'm just saying you used to have some some real love for him everyday job again justin can he find anything it's been a while it's been a long while is there anything here for paul DeYoung? uh i honestly don't know at this point in his career like if he's gonna be able to do a ton in terms of like giving back amazing fantasy value. He did have 14 home runs and for the appearances last year. Um, I mean, it came with a 207 batting average and that's the highest batting average he's had in the last three seasons. Jesus. So you know what's the most um, frustrating part is he figured out the defensive piece. Remember when he came up in 2017, he was a dreadful defender, but he was just smoking the shit out of the ball that they had to keep playing him. Well, subsequently several years later i think it was really in 2021 when it turned for him he's figured out the defensive piece but now his bat sucks and so that's kind of a bummer 2019 was the dream season i mean he was a plus defender had 30 home runs stole nine bases hit 233 um rabbit ball yeah i think part of that is the rabbit ball uh but ultimately like there is pop in the bat i think he's gonna play every day and so i don't mind him as a dc pick um, yeah, six picks, 600. Like you're looking for guys that are going to play. So yeah. I, I actually really will take him in DCs. I have taken him in two DCs so far. Um, but I don't have super high hopes because the bat skills right now are just really, really atrocious. Um, yeah. But yeah, with, with the glove, I think he's going to have a chance to play every day because he has turned his glove around. What about another boy of yours, a, a, a joint boy of ours here with uh, Jorge Mateo? But we've since moved all, along from that train. 
but can he find some PT again and, and, and be interesting as an infielder, outfielder type? Are you are you still on that train at all? He did have 32 steals last year, but it came with a hot 67 WRC plus. Anything for Mateo left in the tank? Um, I mean, I think there is, but the problem is, will they let him on the road enough for it to matter? I mean, mm -hmm. you said he stole 32 bases. 22 of those were in the first half. Yeah, uh, 10 of those were in the first month. Like he was wow. unreal. He hit 347 in the first month with six and home runs and 10 stolen bases. He hit one more home run the rest of the season and then stole, you know, 22 bases um, over kind of like spread out over the rest of the season. Uh, I think what we saw from May on is probably more likely what Jorge Mateo is, which is mm -hmm. a guy that can give you some cheap speed um in kind of a part-time role you know again the rajay davis type yeah uh you know where he might get some cheap home runs might get some in part inside the park home runs but baltimore is so loaded that i just don't exactly. see him ever getting back to a full-time role yeah and it's it's funny because you know i said we were both big fans of him at, at a point and and i was the funniest thing was i jumped off after the big breakout Literally yeah. after 2022, when the price went up, I wanted nothing to do with him because I was terrified of the the talent that he had or the skills that he had shown, which was to say not much. Mm -hmm. And so then last year, it really came crashing down. At least now it's a bottom bargain, you know, bargain basement price. But I think there's just other players I'd rather have because, like you said, they're so freaking loaded, dude. They could have included like two more guys in that Burns deal and barely felt it. That's why it feels like a fleece. I think people are saying, you know, oh, they fleeced them. I don't b agree with that. But the reason it feels like it is because the impact for the Orioles to, uh, of what they lost is negligible. Like they, and that's yeah. that's not to roast Ortiz, but it's just that they have seven other Ortizes waiting in the wings. So yeah, it's gonna be tough for Mateo to find any time. Farmer or Birdie do anything for you? Um, I mean, Birdie kind of does because I think he's gonna play unless they break. Birdie or Mateo in. for 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 your like spec cheap steals. Who would you rather have there? Birdie is the starting shortstop right now. until they sign Tim Anderson or until they sign Tim Anderson or Med Rosario. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go birdie. I think, I think it's still the right pick though. Yeah. Even if he does it, get replaced, it feels I think it's gross. Still the right pick. Like, but if he gets replaced, if they, if they do bring someone in, then maybe I pivot. Um, I, I might not still, uh, I might still stick with birdie, even if they he's get gonna find 25 stolen bases. Like, of course he is. And he can play out in field outfield too. He can play yeah. everywhere. So. Mm -hmm. I think he'll get his PT there. Uh, and then Farmer, you know, he'll bounce around, but he doesn't really have a fantasy carrying skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. What about our post 500 long shots? Um, let's see. Post 500 long shots. We've got Taylor Walls. Taylor we talked Walls. about him. Yeah. Daryl Ernaiz. That's H-E-R-N-A-I-Z for Oakland. Uh, Luis Angel Acuna for the Mets. Matt Shaw, who I believe is for the Cubs. And then Brooks Lee, uh, for the twins. Now these are all five post 500 picks. So who cares what the ADP is there? They are free. You can use your favorite term. They are free, Justin. So which of these free guys are you most likely to get? Probably none of them. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause you're not taking guys that don't have any sort of guaranteed <laughs> yeah. role or even an angle toward a guaranteed role. I'm just double checking on whether or not Shaw is on 
the 40 man. Okay. Um, and I don't know. He is not. Um, so I guess if you like gun to my head said like, I've got to take one of these guys. Um, I think I'm taking because I'm now double checking to make sure is Hernandez on the 40 man. Yes. And he's Hernandez actually is. penciled in on the roster yeah. right now. Yeah. So I think I would take Hernandez because I think he has the best shot of being on the roster early on in the season. Um, but this is also why I say Oakland would be a great spot for Tim Anderson because I mean, you really nailed it with those three spots. Um, Oakland, San Francisco, and Miami, they yeah. desperately need to go talk to these guys that are out there. Is there a third uh, free agent so they can each get one? Because we mentioned the other two, but I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there is. I mean, Blake Snell hasn't even signed. Like, no, no. Like, I mean, I mean, short. No, no. I, yeah, yeah. No, I, I understand. I'm just saying, like, if Blake Snell hasn't signed, like, Elvis Andrews, crazy. Oh yeah, there you go. There. Oh, your your boy Brand, B Craw. Brandon Crawford has said he's open to playing in a different location. Nick Ahmed. Um, uh, Gio, well, I guess Rochelle is probably not really a shortstop. Ooh, if um, Alberto Mondesi signed with Oakland, would you be interested again? Yeah. I've drafted Montessi. I th I think I would too. I'm such a fucking sucker for that guy, dude. I'm such. An you're idiot. getting him so late now. At least, yeah. At least now you're not paying the like fourth round pick and shit that we used to do back in yeah. the day when we were freaking. Enrique out Hernandez him. is still around. Like, yeah, you know, there's your Oakland Day right there. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so th there's enough to go around there, but I want Anderson with y'all. And Ahmed Rosario with the Marlins, I think that works. But uh, anybody else, I, I mean, I went pretty deep on the list, so I'd be surprised if you could come up with anybody. But if you got anybody else you want to give a shout to at all at shortstop? Um, Eddie's Leonard. Oh, is... Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, I actually have a name too, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll both have an extra name here. So, like, this is, you know, obviously another one of these guys that, like, probably not going to start on the Major League roster. Uh and I don't even know if he, Oh, I think he is on the 40 man. Cause I, I, I want to say, Oh no, maybe, maybe not. I don't I think he is actually, um, but he was part of a trade. I believe this off season from the Dodgers or no, sorry, last year um, from the Dodgers uh, to, uh, to the Tigers. Mm -hmm. Leonard was like a top 50 prospect at one point. Um, and uh, there is some pop, a little bit of speed and a, halfway decent hit tool and i just think he was never really given an opportunity just because there's so many other guys in yeah. los angeles i could see we him do not have that problem in detroit <laughs> yeah i could definitely see him like he's you know he's not gonna play shortstop like he's not you know but third base like I, I know your boy uh keep colt keep or what do you call him you call him keith colt um <laughs> he's probably gonna be more second base mckinstry who is a guy i have propped up before in the past and I, I want him to be good but he's not that good he's so a Eddie's super Leonard, utility guy yeah, yeah exactly so eddie's Leonard could mix in so that is a good call i like that one i've got one as well uh in boston david hamilton former longhorn yeah speedy as hell 
And I, I, I don't really know where he's going to play right now. He's not going to play short um, unless Trevor Story gets hurt or something, of course. And Devers has third locked. But you never know. And Trevor Story could get hurt again. So we're talking about guys right now that obviously don't have a great path, but we're just throwing out some names of interest. Yeah, and these he's are still, like super deep sleepers. Yeah, kind of this is like know these names if they get called up. You don't even really have to draft mm-hmm. them in DCs, but just be aware of who they are. And I would say um, David Hamilton, 57 steals in AAA last year. Uh, with 17 homers. Now, I don't really think there's uh, much power. I think he'd be more of a single-digit power guy. But if he came up and ran wild, you know, if Story does get hurt again, um, not a bad name name to know there. Anybody else? Um, in the same kind of vein as David Hamilton, Kyron Paris, uh, he came up a little bit last year for the Angels. With the Angels, yep. Um, he stole 44 bases in A last year and three bases in the majors in just 46 plate appearances. Uh, the dude knows how to steal bases. Uh, it's clear that they are going to allow him to steal bases if he's on the team. He does have three minor league options, so it's probably more likely than not that he gets sent down, especially because uh, a lot of the guys on the Angels right now don't have options. Like, yeah, you know, Adele doesn't have options. Hicks doesn't have options. Uh, Feist doesn't have options. Stefanik does. So, I mean, maybe Stefanik. He's like the, the only guy. one on the bench with an yeah. option. So I think he probably needs an injury of some sort, but luckily for him, <laughs> the, angels the Angels just get injured. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, it would not be surprising to me at all if uh, Kyron Paris uh, comes up and steals just random bases. Yep, and it's been forever since I've mentioned OOTP as a reason to uh, care about a player. I've seen him pan out beautifully in that game multiple times, and obviously that doesn't mean anything. Bottom line is, though, he's a legit prospect. He has some talent. And so he is on my radar. 14 and 44 last year at AA, as you mentioned. The, the, those were the homers and steals. So could definitely be on, on the radar. So there you go. Shortstop in the books. We now move to the outfield. What should we try? Should we try to get it all done next week in three episodes? You think we can do that? We Mon- could try. Mon- Monday, Thursday, Friday. I think we can. I don't have to go super deep on like all the first rounders, you know. Hey, what do you think of Ronald Lacuna Jr.? You like that guy? Uh, I've never heard of him. Is he a prospect? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has a chance to get called up. So yeah, yeah, just keep keep him on your dynasty list. So yeah, let's Mm -hmm. let's commit to that, and then uh, we know we're going to need more than three episodes for starting pitcher, but we'll deal with that when we come to it. That'll be the rest of the month. Correct. Outfield will start next week, though. Justin, hopefully you get everything situated with the uh, with, with the with the car incident. Glad the family's back on the men, though. Hope you have a good weekend. And I know that you're a stupid Niners fan. I don't hold a huge. I'm not a Niners case. fan. Oh, that's right. You're a Commanders. Your wife is a Niners fan. Are you yeah. going for them? Or are you tweaking her and going for the Chiefs? I mean, I I honestly couldn't care less. Oh, well, um, that, that's fair. That's fair. Like for because me, the I, baseball season starts on Sunday night. Yeah, pretty I'll, much. I'll do my annual tweet. I never tweet anymore, hardly, but I will do my annual it's baseball season tweet at the end of the game. Don't worry. Yeah, like for me, um, I I wouldn't do it to tweak her. It's more my brother-in-law who's really oh, okay. annoying with stuff. Um, <laughs> and he's he's a big Niner fan, but uh, like I honestly, I couldn't care less. Like, I've always had a soft spot for the Niners. Um, I'm a big Jerry Rice fan growing up. So even though... They, they broke my heart by beating my team. I actually am kind of going for them. So. I just hope it's a fun game to watch. Like I, yeah. for me, I, I just don't want to see like a 30 point blowout. Um, I would rather Either way. see, uh, yeah. Uh, and I'm kind of, like, I'm kind of tired of the Brock Purdy hate. Um, 
Yeah. Even though I, I am annoyed that he became Steve Young at halftime. Like, I, I'm tired of everyone just <laughs> looking for reasons to hate on him. I think he's a good player. He seems like a genuine, nice dude as well. So, yeah, I got a little bit of love for the I, Niners, even though they ousted my team. Maybe it's because I'm just not as big into football as I used to be, um, mm-hmm. you know, because baseball is just taking over my life uh, Hell you know, yeah. 65 days a year. Um, I don't understand why t- people hate these teams. <laughs> I think these are two really either. likable, no, fun teams. Remarkably and- likable teams with like, so many cool, fun players. I agree. And it's just like, that I don't, I, I don't, I'm going to sound so boomer with this, but it's just that like, toxic sports culture of like hating on everything. I think McCaffrey's a kick-ass dude and an amazing player. Debo, Kittle, both tight ends. I'm a big fan. I love the Kelsey brothers. I've mentioned that Mm -hmm. on the show a bunch of times. So that's why I got some love for KC too. If they win, I won't be mad about it. Mahomes, now he's got some He's got some family issues. You know, he's a former baseball player. That's what I'm saying. Like people are taking that out on him. Because yeah, his like, brother's a tool and his dad doesn't know how to call for a fucking and rock. His, his wife is annoying. I'm not a fan as, of her either, yeah. As someone with an annoying wife, like, <laughs> I, I get that. Like, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I hope she listens to this episode. She won't. She's still You'll out lucky. with COVID, yeah. <laughs> but people, everyone's going to send it to her. Everyone's going to send it to her. Then yeah, Timestamp it. Timestamp mm-hmm. it, y'all. Get him in trouble. 11 11. He, he shouldn't have said that. Mm -hmm. All right, buddy. I love you. I'll talk to you on Monday. Take care. Take it easy.